0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Regeneration Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Martin, with my my friend and colleague, Mike Sauter. How's it going, Mike?
1: Uh, Things are all fine and well in the upstate. Uh, Sent the Hemlock Little World's Fair. It's the largest Little World's Fair, it's called, in my little hamlet. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people flood our small town. And uh, didn't enter anything this year, Mike, so I didn't take home any blue ribbons, but over the years, baby over the years
0: that's right mm-hmm. okay. we we we, we those, those of us in small towns of north america take our county fairs seriously
1: yeah very seriously especially yeah. the uh one quick story is like we don't live too far from canada but, like when they have some of their monster truck rallies they'll open with um like a four-wheeler race and they just recruit like eight young people from this town, and they put a Canada jacket on four and an America jacket on the other. And then they race around this oval as the crowd's getting warmed up. And you'll look around and you'll people screaming with like the uh, the veins popping out of their neck, just hating on the Canadians so bad, right? And they're so real. And uh, they have no idea. They've just recruited these boys to play the villains, but the villains are Canadians. Um, small town fairs in upstate New York. I love it.
0: Well, the villains are still our Canadians because <laughs> that infernal smoke is still coming over my house. I may never breathe. Amen. Yeah, we got
1: it too. We got yeah. it too.
0: Yeah. So anyway, so today though, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a special show because very special. This is actually a, this is a show by request because uh, at our one year anniversary show, a couple of comment commentators said, "Hey, you guys should do a show on Terrence Malick." Mm -hmm. which is you know if anybody who's read my books you you see I'm quoting him all the time because when I encountered Terrence Malick's work and I wouldn't have I don't think had my friend Terry Burns from the Corktown Popes who was who who was uh, on our bumper music he said Mike you got to see this movie and it was the tree of life and I saw the tree of life and I was blown away because not only by the cinematography and the the unique storytelling, but also by what I can only call a sociological vision of things. And then after that, I, I saw I kind of went back, I backtracked mm-hmm. and I saw in red line, which I'll never forget it, because I, t- I was talking... To, this is when Mary Grove College was still around, and I was talking to my philosophy department, confreres. "So, you guys seen this movie? I said, oh, yeah, I love that movie. I said, I think it's Being in Time, the movie. Hmm. It was the most Heideggerian film I've ever seen, because it, it's it's about authenticity and care in the face of you know total war. And... And then I finally, after after that, and then I discover that Terence Malick actually translated an essay of Martin Heidegger's. And and if you know, in my book, uh, which one is it? Uh, the Incarnation of the Poetic Word. It's it's my most Heideggerian book. And I was this is around the time that I was really investigating this. And I think, you know, there is no I, I shouldn't say no more, but I can't think of a more important religious filmmaker and i can only call him a religious filmmaker than Terrence malik and our guest today reno laro is uh i found i don't we met through facebook i believe it was and i don't know i don't remember how this went but i found out along the way that actually reno not only knows or have, has met but knows Terrence malik and reno welcome to the show Welcome. And thank you so you much. Tell us, thank us the story. You. Tell us the story of how that happened. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the story precedes me uh, in, in many ways. So um, I was finishing a, uh, my uh, PhD at the University of St. Andrews um, um, uh, at the uh, Institute for Theology and Imagination and the Arts and had mm-hmm. returned back stateside uh, to kind of finish writing. Uh, uh, riding the the beast and had run into a friend, uh, Mark Spacek, who's actually uh, Sissy Spacek's nephew. I was going to ask, yeah. <laughs> nephew. Yeah, and so, uh, um, and this is Austin. Uh, we had known each other since kind of uh, the, the, the mid-90s, but I asked him what he was up to. And he said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm working on uh, out in Smithville, driving uh, cars back and forth, working in the art department. Oh, doing what? Um, oh, Terry's shooting a film out there. And I was in total shock because the new world had just come out in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, Michael, if you, you, you all have uh, seen that, but mm-hmm. it just kind of it had just come out when I arrived in the UK and I didn't think that, you know, another film would come out for, for forever. So to find out um, that not only was a new film coming out, but was it actively shooting, I immediately scrambled. Um, and so I sent in my, my CV through the Texas Film Commission, and I got a call the next day. And, wow. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the the, the the voice on the other line, uh, not not Terry, uh, but was like, hey, you know, you look like you would be a, a perfect fit. We really need um, kind of uh, all hands on deck. Um, I, I got to tell you, I'm a little embarrassed to say I can't pay you um, right away. And I said, well just tell me this, like, will I be on set to like watch people film? And he was like, oh yeah, definitely. And I was like, okay, I'm done. So for about two weeks, um, 10 days, um, I was the most uh, uh, um, motivated and hustling water boy in the history of, of filmmaking just few kind more details of like, like
1: what were the actual duties you did you said water boy but
2: yeah well when i got there i was just slinging water uh okay. all, all over the place and then kind of a uh, uh, word had gone out that i was doing uh, kind of a phd i was riding on heidegger i was at in U- uk um and so somehow kind of it, it led to like a like a set apprenticeship uh right. in which like i i you know i worked in uh um basically every single department. So I did a lot of B unit where I met my friend, uh, AJ Edwards. He uh, became the, you know, my best friend and best man at my wedding, um, who was shooting second unit, um, worked in props and set dressing, camera department. Um, and then finally, when we went to uh, Houston, um, I uh, was uh, Emmanuel Lubeski's personal assistant during, so all those scenes and what Who's he? He called in the school. He is a cinematographer. I thought so, uh, right, right, right. Now three-time Academy Award-winning uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, but just Chivo to, to uh, everybody um, who knows him. Um, but all the scenes uh, with Sean Penn in the city, um, I got to kind of be Chivo's personal assistant, which meant, which was what was great about that. I mean, you know, they, the only important thing about that was being able to like hang out um, inside the filming circle uh, and just getting to hear Terry whisper and kind of moving with the camera crew from location to location. Um, and then somehow at the end, uh, Sarah Green, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, invited me to post-production. And hmm. so um, as soon as, uh, you know, I think I took a month off and then kind of started uh, into post-production and I was Keith uh, um assistant. Uh, Keith Keith uh, was the principal editor for the Natural History, which became the Voyage of Time. So I kind of hmm. worked on two movies, The Voyage of Time and The Tree of Life. Um, and basically, I was kind of cutting uh, uh, editorial experiments. Terry would say, you know, hey, you know you know cut let's get some Dow kind of let's let's cut some scenes with the Respighi. and I, you know I just want to see a whole bunch of uh, uh, shots of movement with the Respighi. and then I'll come back and you show me what you have. So uh, just it was generosity was poured upon me that um, I was uh, neither ready for nor worthy of. um, And we can talk more about that. But the most important aspect was really just kind of getting close and being able to talk and overhear and and see what it is for a master like this to really um, do his craft. And I should say this to everybody, um, I still don't understand him. Um, and so uh, there's an ineffable gulf between my experience of Terry and who Terry really is. So everything that we talk about. You name about that gulf
1: genius or do you have a name for that gulf? Like no, it, seems is, to op- it, it is genius. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yep. With, without a doubt. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a gulf.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And so... Uh, so, what is the characterize that genius for us? If you can
2: yeah, well, that's a that's a great question, and beautifully uh, put. Um, I, let me say a little bit of, about what what I've learned from that because I was writing on Tolkien, right? Um, and what I learned from from this experience was to not trust biographers um. Oh. Um, and to not allow the investigation to kill um, the the desired effect of the work, um, and the way that um, the the work is meant to kind of uh, move us in particular ways. I think, uh, uh, you know the, the genius is an openness. So let's use that word and we can okay. kind of carry that out through our conversation um, and openness. Um, um, you know, there is this aspect of retrieval, though I'm kind of pushing uh, a, a little bit too much there, but there, there is a, a, an aspect of retrieval um, of the essential. That's a little bit too much of a Heideggerian uh, um, uh, a sleight of hand, but but a retrieval of an essential. And uh, an openness to uh, to uh, to a call, right? A call uh, to us. Um, uh, yeah. And so I think this conversation is really fantastic because I think it it actually, uh, Michael, you're you know you're spot on with your instincts. I think that it um, it opens up uh, a, a, for lack of a better term, like you know a biographical aspect. Of his interests that um, have really kind of, uh, um, for obvious reasons, been overlooked or uh, set to the side for easier, uh, um, easier, more uh, uh, approachable ideas and 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 terms and uh, uh, and and works and purposes, mm. you know. Yeah.
3: yeah. Right. And he's
2: and, and, and
0: Alex got such a quirky biography as far as working in film goes, right? So his first film was Badlands, which came out in 1973 when I was eleven. Nice. And then the next one was <laughs> 78. What was that one? Days of Heaven. Days of Heaven. And then disappeared. Yeah, For just about 20 years until I think 97. For
1: 20 years, okay, I didn't know it was that long.
0: Yeah, until 97 when uh uh the Thin Red Line came out. That's right. So That's right. Jesus had and, 33 years. And also, I mean, also, a guy who abandoned his dissertation when he went into a dispute. At least this is the story, right? With his with his dissertation director, and he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm gonna go write movies. Bye. You know, yeah. I admire a guy like that yeah
2: yeah well and you'll like this even more it was gilbert ryle uh so he had gone to the uk as a a, as a um uh, um, as a full not a fulbright a um a road scholar Mm -hmm. um and uh, i didn't get the full story ecky uh kind of uh uh, ecky walks uh terry's wife um kind of gave me a, a a little clue into it but we should say and this is the um the analytic Gilbert Ryle yeah. right so this is uh what is it 63 64 so he had fully embraced kind of the the, the, the analytic world and didn't see any value in writing about uh Kierkegaard Heidegger mm-hmm. um, so.
0: <laughs> so so Terry, he's like Ch- forget it that's right yeah. because yeah. I, I you know there was, there's was a funny meme out there where a little kid goes to Santa Claus and says, I want a dragon. And, a little boy, and Santa Claus says, well, you can't have a dragon. Dragons are real. I want a dragon. Okay. Okay, well, I, well, you can't have a dragon. Then he says, you know, all right, I'll give you a choice. You can get a choice. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you some analytical. Fo- <laughs> can I have some analytical philosophy? I'll give you a dragon, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah and and here's the thing too michael uh th- that we can carry uh through as well i mean th- this this notion of like no like this this is there there's a n- not a disposition towards uh au- not a disposition towards authenticity that sounds um you know he had worked with stanley cavell uh, um at uh at harvard um he hadn't taught uh he hadn't picked up classes at mit yet um right Because hubert Dreyfus, you know he he filled some classes in for hubert Dreyfus when he came yeah. back um okay. at mit um but um but he uh, definitely has a sense and this is a character of that genius right um a, not a sense of not being willing to compromise but um but knowing the path, uh, knowing what the path isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing
3: what the and path I think, isn't.
0: And that's what I noticed through all of his films, but it I really jumped out at me in The Tree of Life and uh, The Thin Red Line is the, the, the kind of the phenomenological reduction Right, the epoch that you let, and that, I mean the last line in in the thin red line, all things shining, right? Mm-hmm. And that's to, to I mean that's to me that's where sociology and and philosophy meet at that moment right there, mm-hmm. where you see that which shines through phenomena, and and Terry's films are meditations on that, and he and he see and you see it all through all through the play, and in the thin red line, for instance, um. You see these soldiers kind of creeping up up this hill on, on Guantanamo Bay. And then, which is juxtaposed with, you know, seeing these breezes run through the, the tall grass. And then this native guy just walks right by them like he doesn't even see them, you know, because there is a reality that he's depicting. And this is uh, in, in The favorite Red Line, Jim Caviezel's character says, uh, i I've seen another world, right? I seen another world and this is this is what and you see this through all all these films you see uh he's reaching for that other world and even in all the messy stuff right the, with the like in a what's into the wonder right with this complication of of marriage and relationships but there are still these things where it's, this transcendence this sophianic light kind of so not all the time, but at moments you know radiates through not only the the story but the 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 very medium of film itself
2: yeah uh um and so without uh, uh, without kind of putting without uh, um, ossifying those moments or without, um, embalming those moments in or ways that
0: precious, right?
2: Right. Yeah. They're, they're precious. They're fleeting. Um, and they're moments that move through time
3: mm-hmm.
2: rather than, uh, uh, taking that moment to turn it into a postcard, mm-hmm. um, yes. or, or a message. And I think that, 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 uh, so for instance, like w- w- when, uh, um, when uh, the, the, the islander is kind of just walking out of, of the brush, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it, it is uh, almost as though the, the, the line of troops are moving back into time,
3: mm-hmm.
2: into a world that has been uh, untouched by, by modern warfare. And this islander is emerging from time, uh-huh. Without having to say it or do it or even to spend time, kind of nodding at it, but you feel mm-hmm. uh, uh, these moments, uh, and they're allowed to kind of speak to us because, primarily, and uh, uh, and I'm going to continue to throw things out there uh, so that uh, to, to give you uh, food for thought, but um, so that it can move us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when I finished uh, uh, working on Tree of Life, I wrote a, a, you know, a couple of things just trying to kind of process my thoughts and, uh, um, you know, and I think, you know, Terry, Terry appreciated them. But, but what he really wants is not for people to be thinking about his films. Um, I know this for certain, but to be moved by them. Uh, to be um, uh, not embraced by them, because that sounds a little too uh, uh, anthropomorphic, but I think to, to, to allow something in them. He used this phrase one time to, to allow the screen to elicit the smile of life, hmm.
0: right? Yeah. Um, well, to, to, that's to let the, let the film itself shine, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and the, the, the beings and reality mm-hmm. um, and world, to shine through them, yeah, yeah, that's exactly uh, that's that's exactly right. You know, I I um, did not realize the significance or made the connections uh, in uh, back then. But two things uh, along these lines that generally don't kind of come out uh, in Terry's uh, biographies or articles or anything like that is that we had gotten on a conversation about education. Um, and he, he had brought up Rudolf Steiner and brought mm. up Waldorf schools. That's interesting, uh, isn't it? And the importance and significance of that. And then I had found out through his producer uh, Sandhya Shahanadad um, the importance of Krishnamurti, the writings of Krishnamurti, interesting to Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, in the way she described, then she may uh, um, have uh, o- oversold this, but you know, m- maybe not. But far more influ- influence from uh, uh, Krishnamurti, uh, I think, uh, uh, than, than anyone else has given credit. And I can imagine a world where Terry kind of in Hollywood in the 70s, an experience that he told me, uh, uh, you know, did, it, just, it just doesn't evoke like very good memories, um, right. a world where he's reading, you know, Krishnamurti and... and and pro- and making sense of his own education and his own life and Western philosophy kind of through those through those writings can definitely lead to a, you know what? I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna kind of disappear for a little bit until somebody's gonna let me make the movie I wanna make.
0: Right. Well, and you can see I mean you can see part of that experience from in Hollywood that he revisits in the Knight of Cups. Yes, exactly. Because- i mean they're all extraordinary that 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 that's a pretty extraordinary piece of film right there
2: yes yeah and that more more time needs to be spent on
0: yeah we talked about this before mike remember uh when we talked to david bentley hart about his his book kenogaya which Mm -hmm. is based on the hymn of the pearl same thing in the same way cups is also uses that as part of its narrative scaffolding Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. ever since then um, I've been using that film clips from that film, but also the hymn of the pearl, in teaching uh, college college students because you know they are basically living the hymn of the pearl, right? Why did my my parents say? Why am I here yeah, again? You know, and, the, and the, a, what I found, especially when you saw when we went through the the COVID stuff with the schools shutting down and kids wearing masks and being confined to quarters, it was like it was like paying thirty thousand dollars a year to go to prison because <laughs> they couldn't leave the dorm but their experience from that, you know that's the hymn of the pearl really resonated with them after that and I, and I and I showed them like the trailer or maybe some some clips from the Night of Cups to help illustrate I mean it's not just their condition, it's the human condition, right It's we all, every single one of us, are like the boy in the Knight of cups in 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 the, in the hymn of the pearl who forgets who he is. And we have to be we have to remember why why we've been sent here.
1: I, I was just thinking, too, the Knight of Cups, you mentioned the theme, Reno, of openness. and uh, I'd seen I think I'd seen every previous film at one point or another before watching that in the theater. And I think it was the first time you know you you could get all kind of meadow about it and think you had to be open. But it was great. I went to a theater and I think my body knew in front of that film. I just had to be open. Right.
3: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: and um, and because if you so his films kind of create openness, but they also demand it. Right. And I think to to follow his career is kind of, you know, that's a little form of practice of meditation. In one sense, how do you sit? You know, who are you vis-a-vis this thing? If you kind of know his 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 body of work, this thing you're going to experience, you know, and I was also thinking too about it's almost cause I needed to hear you say the exact words again, Reno, that when he's doing things, you know, it's a moment in time, but it's still moving through time. Whereas opposed I'm always bringing up young people, you know, but, um, You know, and maybe you can say something about that. You know, people are always capturing their snapshots, capturing snapshots, yet they're getting more anxious all the time. And you're saying, you know, by moving through these moments, it's not a pure second Um, that kind of jumped out at me, you know, and when you were talking about that and Malik's genius, we were using that word. I just thought of this, you know, this new propensity. Not that we're just missing it by standing behind. Everybody says that if you're taking a picture of the Grand Canyon, you can't experience it. But even those pictures themselves are very unsatisfying.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the pictures being unsatisfying. There's a, there's a wonderful. Uh, uh, um, Perry's very fond of uh, Robert Bresson's notes on cinematography. Okay. Um, he he says that that is that uh, that's the only book on on film that anyone ever needs to read. It's film school uh, in a book, and Bresson has uh, you know it, it, for anyone who hasn't kind of experienced uh, this text, it's it's essentially uh, the the notes are almost like a- aphorisms. Uh, um, drain the pond to catch the fish, mm. um, um, and one. Uh, 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 one thing that sticks out uh, based on what you said is is this notion of not creating postcards.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: right? Not allowing images to be beautiful and to uh, uh, and to sit and to represent, right to 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 represent uh, the world as one might um, hope. That it is, and this is, you know, Andre Bazan, the, the the great French film theorist. He has this beautiful uh, essay called "The Ontology of the Photographic Image," in which he talks about uh, uh, um, the 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 uh, um, the embalming of of time uh, in the photographic image. Right, like the photographic image, they're essentially photons, mm-hmm. right? Photons are being captured onto this celluloid, um, and so there's an ontological relationship between what we see and and uh, what, uh, what was there. But we always feel the lack when it comes to the photographic image because, right. I mean, one only needs to read just uh, you know, a couple of paragraphs of, of, of Aquinas or something like that, um, or even you know, just Aristotle to know that there's something more going on uh, um, in matter than, than merely just the material itself. Um, and so um, how does one allow what is missing from what is captured in the photographic image to 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 emerge mm-hmm. um and duration, duration duration is a part right. of that mm-hmm. but the thing that you were talking about that the the tactility of the the cinema experience which is so central to to uh uh, uh his search uh, to to uncover uh, what has been captured uh, on film and to uncover uh, uh, the kind of truthful experiences that that were attempted to 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 be uh, um, uh, drawn out, you know, some kind of wayfinding path was attempted to be drawn out in a script. Um, that that the editing itself is done in that way to to um, to create that experience of moving through time, to to experience the kind of the coming and going uh, uh, of uh, of a relationship, to 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 the the fleeting the the fleeting experiences uh, of life, uh, which is the exact opposite of recording the concert with your camera.
1: Right. right, exact opposite. You had to say exact the, those, opposite.
2: Yeah. Those are butterflies in a shadow box, right? The worst and is not, the corruption of the best. A huge theme of this podcast, right?
0: And correct me if I if I'm wrong, but it, in the way that that he, that Terry generally works, it's it's not premeditated, you know. It's and generally speaking, it's he doesn't he film and film and film and film and then figure out what it was all about in the editing process, right? Is that yeah, that,
2: well yeah, and this certainly comes from Bresson, too that the that the film is made uh, uh, in the editorial process. Yeah. Um, and so but 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 let's be clear uh, just kind of uh, um, or or at least true or create a space uh, mm-hmm. to not to not put Terry in the in the shadow box too. Um, the Tree of Life, for instance, I think the original script was like five hundred pages or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right it was almost almost like a novel and it had to kind of be redacted um um never would have guessed and, that right never. um the the uh the the new the new world was sold to new line cinema as um shake that romeo and juliet meets gladiator really right? <laughs> like that's that's how that's how that funding was acquired
1: yeah um, who came and up with so, that terminology like somebody in the oh the no, league no, camp that's, no 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 that's terry he's, okay he has yeah. <laughs> got a
2: very he's got a very uh wry sense of humor good uh, good good uh too yeah he he's a That's funny a, he he's uh, yes sage wisdom but but world, worldly wise yeah um, um and uh, so so the thing that we sense that that not not uh, it's so there's nothing kind of really impromptu per se But um, every day, and this is one thing that I learned from Terry just when it kind of comes to writing, right? Um, You know, he would come into the editing room and we'd show him experiments and show him what we're working on and he'd move from bay to bay. And then he'd go back into his uh, office and you just hear the typewriter firing off, okay? (laughs) And generally what happens is that, that he'll take a situation or a mood, or a moment, right? What is it that we are to experience in this theme? What words can we evoke or call to mind? It's almost—it's almost kind of like screenwriting with Rilke or something like that. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we bring these words and what what are the words and meditations that that actually kind of capture that? And so, what will happen on set is that Terry will bring these pages. Um, uh, and my first job was actually to cut out Terry's voice. So he'll be like, "You know uh, uh, um, you know just tell him, tell him, tell him that 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 your your world, your world began when you met him, or right? And he'll just kind of throw things out and the actor will kind of throw these lines out. Um and together, they're trying to kind of find this mood through these words and meditations. Wow. so So it's a combination of both, Michael. Yeah. um to to your question is that there is a structure now terry said that he disavow he's disavowed that when he made um when, when he made uh, um not to the wonder but uh radagast i keep wanting to call it radagast you know, um yeah. yes that that was a straight script that that he kind of attempted to kind of go back and just kind of film something the way that he made uh, badlands let's say which was more of a straight script
0: interesting that doesn't come, come off like a three script <laughs> right you know, what I, exactly. you know what i just
1: looked for right. you know you know talk about these ponderous scenes yeah is and i haven't watched it yet but it was really enlightening to me uh i work in part of my job i work with migrant ministry so before we okay. knew you were coming on for the fans we didn't know until a few days ago i work with a really wonderful priest he's of mexican descent and we go out to the farms and we're visiting and i was just thinking you know for fundraising for migrant ministry so important that Somebody could capture this guy on film because he's just uh, he's doing the corporal works of mercy. And then I yes. thought of to the wonder, of course, with Javier yes. Bardem. And then I remembered that a year ago and I'd forgotten this maybe a year ago that it con or somewhere else outtakes from that came yes. out with its own title called Die Kingdom Come. And that yes. went nuts. Have you heard that, Michael? No, I
0: haven't heard about it. Just
1: outtakes of Javier Bardem visiting people. Then it became a written about phenomenon in the New Yorker. Like these were real people, but they had, Mm -hmm. uh, Rito. tell us that. How long is this thing? Can we find it on YouTube or how do we watch it? Um, I
2: I, I do think that it's available out there. Um, I remember when it came out that I didn't necessarily, uh, uh, um, I I, I wasn't a big fan of that being released. Uh, And that's, and I try to distance myself. Like fandom is uh, obviously the, the, we can talk all day <laughs> about the poison of that. Yeah. I, and I guess what I mean is that it, it kind of reveals that method in style or mode of inquiry to be formulaic enough yeah. for someone to take the footage that they acquired. Cause a lot of that was shot as B unit. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but, but essentially
1: He gave his permission, though, right, or no? Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: definitely, and I think, and I think it is because of how true, right, these encounters are. Yeah, yeah, and especially, I'll
1: admit, the Catholic Church, there's a kind of an ink after it, right, and it's the last acceptable prejudice, so there's a part of me, even though I don't want it to be for me, is like, oh my God, a kind of positive portrayal of a Catholic priest, right? You know, mm-hmm. whenever you're watching media nowadays, you know, we just notice those, those of us who have been subjected to, you know, notwithstanding all the the her- horrendous, you know, and horrible mm-hmm. things. But uh, so here you had one that was very noticeable as a Catholic. Right. And then That's to right. hear that you had all these outtakes filmed. And but can you say something about why you think was there a lot of support for this and positive feedback? And what do you think that said?
2: Yeah, um, I don't know, the, you know how I, it did.
1: I don't know how it did. I,
2: I, I don't know how it did, um, I, I know that, uh, that it was, uh, when it came out, that it was not not a novelty, that it was a, um, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, novelty sounds di- dismissive, though, there's gotta be a better word to, 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 to put in. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the way that it was received, but what I do know um, is that there was, as you said, that there was a space uh, a hunger for those kinds of of interactions
1: human uh, first but then also the Catholic priest thing was yes. somewhat well, yeah well
0: yeah. that's uh, we sh- I don't know if you caught this there's an interview I caught with Javier bardem and he's talking about I know I'm not a priest but put the collar on and these people want to start talking to me and telling me their problems and, and it is it, it startled him from what I was yeah, uh, yeah that's
2: and I think but and the the I, I think that the, the 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 genius is, uh, you know, borrowing from the 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 neo obviously, and the and the, the the French New Wave, is to not be afraid to uh, take real human beings, yeah, um, and to allow those encounters to give space and time, which is very not Burbank, right? There was a decided no Burbank, uh, uh, um not clause, but mantra on the set of, of, of Tree, um, to give space for those experiences to kind of come forth. You can see a little bit of that in uh, A.J. Edwards' uh, um, Age Out, uh, the beginning of that, um, as well you with know, this young boy in a, in a youth home, and you just kind of hear these people telling their stories, right? Um, and i I think that that is so so the desire for those interactions i think is is the thing to to talk more about, mm-hmm. which is that that life uh that 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 healing only occurs when uh life is being encountered, right mm. um yeah. I don't know. I need to go back and and watch. I I, I actually kind of uh, dis- tried to kind of stay away from it because I didn't want it to, lo- like I said, to kind of. Fandom. Yeah, You're appear- so
1: funny the way you talked about fandom.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, to kind of appear yeah. uh, uh, formulaic yeah. in any way, but but it's certainly not right. I mean, I mean, it's 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 true, and it's a, it's a strange, it's a strange, uh, it it's a, it's a strange artifact that that a, a film from a film. Can exist on its own because it's not film; it's it's wow well said, well said. I right? bet
1: you nobody said it quite as clearly as that who's talked about it. I'm glad that it sounded lucid; it, it didn't yeah, feel right. lucid. No, no, but no, that's no. it was yeah,
2: yeah. The spirit was moving.
1: Mike, clip that, okay, and post it as a short thing on YouTube. Okay. We always talk about like doing good <laughs> things for this podcast, but we never get our act together. Go ahead, Michael.
0: No, no I'll. That's I mean. So, what was it like to watch him work? On set, I mean, what, what did you learn? What did you see?
2: I, I gotta tell you uh, that, that I, that you know, 10, well, how many years is it now? Uh, uh, you know, almost 15 years on, um, that I'm still, uh, um, recovering from that experience mm-hmm. and not to kind of make it sound too like there's not an awe, but. To, to have the opportunity to kind of, uh, uh, to, it's, it's, a ma- it's a masterful work. And he's he is, you know, uh, um, it, it's like kind of working with Frank Lloyd Wright or it's like working, I don't want to bring in a painter that, you know, kind of sully it, but-
1: um, Virto works with, I mean, uh, Rilke worked with Rodin, right?
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah That's, a, exactly that's right. what I was thinking it, of. Right? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it was actually a uh, funny story, not to get too sidetracked, but it was Rodin who um, uh, told Rilke to kind of go to the zoo, and I think that that great poem, "The Panther," yeah, and yeah. these other yeah. animal poems come from uh, uh, um, Rodin's. But let uh, me ask uh, you, like,
1: you yeah. you saw this is of interest to me, like you saw genius as a space between you and him. Not you didn't say an unbridgeable space totally, but there was genius, there was this, right. But when you were around genius and you were watching it, you know, you're a very embodied speaker. Every word is coming from your gut and so forth. Mm -hmm. Do you think you took on some gestures of a creative genius that helped your own intelligence and your own artwork, you know?
2: I'm not sure about uh, 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 physicality uh, Terry's a very imposing. Let's like Terry is Terry. Like he is warm, and you know when I saw him again after ten years in Princeton, like we we hugged each other and w- went out for, uh, for for drinks, and um, he's affable and warm and approachable, um, but he's not. Um, and so, and on set, so there's two things, right? Well, one is the 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 the, the reporting of, of 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 the event, which Michael uh, I'll get to. Um, but I think um, what I hope kind of kind of sticks with me and impresses upon me is that continued search to to attempt to uh, um, to to open up a, a space for me to be out of the way, or for uh, for art for for um, to 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 move out of the way the initial impression or desire and to make room for something to kind of come forth from that that I- initial uh suspicion right that's, I mean, great.
1: that's a great great like, lesson. yeah worth like a college the, education
2: the, right. Uh, and so in watching D- Terry work is, uh, uh, you know, it, it initially there was too much of a, for, for me, too much of a like, oh man, like this is happening. But then after you kind of get past, you get past that, it's just uh, um, not, not being satisfied or knowing that, that in this moment, we need to uh, continue to elicit and call forth whatever means necessary that, that, that we can utilize. We're gonna, we're gonna do the same thing, but we're gonna do it over here. And we're going to kind of torpedo this scene by, having, uh, by, by changing it, or we're going to continue to throw words out that maybe are nonsensical, uh, but but we want to see what kind of dyna- dynamism uh, uh, occurs from this moment, and every day on set was essentially like that. Wow. As a matter of fact, on on a film set, you have something called a call sheet, right, which tells you um, who's who is who is necessary, necessary phone numbers, and also the, uh, the scenes of the day. And at the end of every day on Tree of Life, the end of the call sheet said, "When the poetry presents itself," you know. Um, which essentially meant like, we're just going to kind of shoot. We know what this story is. The actors know what these characters are, like what can be captured and, and, um, and, and drawn forth. And so that lack of, of formula, whilst still obeying or understanding the tradition and understanding uh, uh, the, the, the intent of the formula, uh, and that tension is what it, it's like to kind of be on set. Um, that's obviously, you know, you know, people have told this story from industry ways and kind of as actors or, or, you know, no one's ever heard the frustrated uh, union uh, grip, right, right, right. grip story. Right. And there's, there's uh, plenty of those, <laughs> but I think that, that, that creating a space um, is, is the 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 best description that I can uh, can kind of come up with i can give you an example so uh uh, and in terry kind of creates these spaces this is very not hollywood but um i had uh you know the shooting was going on at the house uh the 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 main house where the kids and uh jess uh were at and i was kind of across the street and it was when when they're rolling you know you just want to be still you want to be quiet until you hear the all clear, but I'd noticed a, uh, a bird nest had fallen um, and there was chicks in it. There was live chicks in this bird nest on, on the yard across the street. Um, And so I went to go tell uh, the second AD and 30 minutes later, Jessica Chastain, the kids, Terry, they were out there and they were shooting the bird nest on the grass. Right. Wow. That's a great Uh, story. That's a great story. That's just kind yeah. of like opening up these spaces. So that's
0: a good example. itself, We can
2: yeah. we can move. Uh, we I can get more uh, philosophical if you want, and I can get more uh, uh, cinematically technical if you want. So I'm just kind of really just trying to kind of draw. You're going with it now. You're doing great. Experiences, you know what I mean? These yeah. experiences, which yeah. um, I think uh, is the most important uh, quality.
3: That, what did you uh, think
1: about a hidden life? In one sense, again, I work for the church. I'm a pacifist. It was my least favorite of all of his movies I was well it, you know I felt the maybe the aura of something COVID descending I think it was a day or so before the lockdowns so I went to a theater mm-hmm. um the little theater in Rochester New York it was the afternoon I saw somebody an old friend of my mom's my mom had passed away 20 years ago and I saw this lady that hadn't seen her since then but oh. I knew COVID was coming and I, I went in there and it was the movie and then for some reason you know and I think uh but Michael and I, a big theme is like, you know, descending technocracy, right? You know,
3: yeah. and that, um,
1: yeah. you know, here's a movie about the Nazi regime, which is a proto-technocracy. It ran like a machine. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the movie, and it wasn't working for me in the ways, but that could have been colored by my experiences going in. But I just kept on thinking of the role of humor and Charlie Chaplin's The Great Dictator, mm-hmm. you know, and thinking maybe this was the wrong subject matter. That in the face of the technocracy, and nobody is better to capture some of it, and that movie was worth it for that, but um, I almost think the spirituality, you mentioned Krishnamurti and so forth, you know what, it's not that he was too serious, but I, I don't know, I was yearning for something that could really, you know, upset the apple cart of this thing that had direct analogs to the coming kind of twilight here, and I just kept on thinking of Charlie Chaplin and, you know, what an artist that was, you know, and so those were going on and maybe I don't know how that colored it. I didn't think it was a bad movie, but it didn't I didn't catch it as much as even some of the more ponderous ones.
2: Yeah, the. Uh,
3: um, the.
2: Right, I mean, obviously, for for any artist, their films are uh, you, you, they're both biographical and they're not biographical right like we, we to, to try to read the artist through the film or to or through the work is is folly uh, but they're certainly in a place where they're meditating on certain things and affected by certain ideas um, or experiences that that cause them to, to to choose certain subject matters or to execute in a particular way um, Yeah there's a beautiful film by Roberto Rossellini who I know, you know, Terry is very fond of, Mm -hmm. Rossellini obviously made the flowers of St. Francis. Mm -hmm. Um, but Scorsese tells this beautiful story in his, uh, my voyage to Italy, um, um, about, I think it's Europa 51 with, uh, Ingrid Bergman. Um, and he says, and here in Europa 51, Rossellini is attempting like the flowers of St. Francis to tell the story of a saint. But what is it, to have a modern saint um enter into the strangeness of this terrible world um and what and and what and how do we encounter are we able to receive a modern saint in the way that um you know an audience can easily receive the story of saint francis and so i wonder if Europa 51 is maybe a, a better um uh Dialogue partner to enter into because the the I think the tension it's it's gut wrenching insofar as um
3: um like um how the love of family
2: and children and matrimony um, a, a love of bucolic landscape. And mm-hmm. um, a world that seems untouched by such things. How does one um, em- embrace suffering um, mm-hmm. and turn their back on such things? Um, and I think it's, I think that feeling that we feel, so here, this is a thing when it comes to cinema too, right? Because we're very colored However, erudite that 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 we either fancy ourselves or actually are, we're colored by the kind of the the consumption uh, um, uh, um, r- r- machine and reciprocity uh, uh, um, desire of cinema. Like we wanted to do something for us and to either understand it um, or to be affected, but to leave a film that leaves us gut-wrenching or empty is perhaps the desired effect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, you know,
0: I see a lot of Rossellini in that. I mean, I, I would just, I just re-watched recently uh, the War Trilogy of Rossellini. Yeah, yeah. And you could, and, you know, Rossellini did not sugarcoat it, right? Yeah. He, he should and, and that's, which is part of the beautiful thing about that those films is he is he never even though it's horrible and especially in uh paisan there's that one of the vignettes there is about this girl i can't remember her name in the film who meets this this american soldier mm-hmm. and you know, it's at when they liberated Naples, and it's really beautiful, and everybody's happy, but then after a year of the American soldiers, everything is kind of debauched, and the girl's practically a prostitute, right, and then she meets this, this guy again, he's hammered on the, on the road, and he, she becomes her real self again, and, and it, and it doesn't, but there's no kiss, and they go right off into the sunset, he, he Right. He wakes up the next day, finds her her phone number in his pocket. I don't know if this is <laughs> throws it, right? Uh, and which is it's heartbreaking, but heartbreaking. it's actually very close to what life is like. And I think in in a hidden life, um, and we have a long-standing um, uh, veneration for Franz Eignerstatter at my house, hmm. um, and Bonnie, yeah. Bonnie thinks that's that's her favorite of yeah. Harry. Because we live pretty close to the way they're living in in right. in uh in uh Radigat or what's the name of the town? I
1: think it's Radigat.
0: I think it's Radigast. Yeah, like Radigast. Yeah. Okay. And oh I, no,
2: no. Oh, Radigast is the, uh, the uh, saint. That's, that's the
0: that's the wizard.
2: <laughs> he is a saint, but he's the uh, the brown wizard, the astari. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Radigund. Oh, that's, that's,
0: that's exactly right. Yeah. I, yeah. So so but but and that that's what really appealed to Bonnie in that. But I think. Also, to when I, when we saw it, and we also saw it in the theater right before yeah. it all came down. Um, to me, it was—I <laughs> remember sitting there going, "This is what's happening right now." <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and that, and but unlike The Great Dictator, where you get the the famous monologue that's always repeated on social media. Uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin at the end saying, you know, saying, can't we live together as brothers? You don't get that. You don't get that in Russell and You don't get that at the end of The Tree of Life. You, what the, is the quote you,
1: at the end of The Tree of Life again?
0: another Tree of Life. At, uh,
1: I mean, at the end of uh, yeah. yeah.
0: It
1: was, uh, it was it's a quote. What I
0: remember. Yeah. Him riding his motorcycle again. <laughs> and uh, you hear his wife
1: at the end
0: of a hidden <laughs> life well
3: anyway according to yeah. me oh it's uh, at the end of a hidden life the growing
1: good the of the world is partly travel dependent travel. on his on historic acts remember that quote yes um it, it you know and then uh and that things are not so ill with you as me and me as they might have been is half owing to the number who live faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs it's a quote from uh uh Eliot i guess yeah
0: -hmm. and and that and i and i so i don't i don't know what terry thinks about that i'm I'm sure he wasn't thinking the world was going to turn crazy right after that film came out but i wonder what he what he would think about about how that just kind of played out historically
1: (laughs) yeah but look at you know i'm not to go into that one but again the quiet kind of suffering of under some of those tyrannies you know i think we needed more of like the charlie chaplin this kind of uh leveling type of humor this leveling type of humor that you know we send up those people who think they're too important it could have took the wind out of the sails of some people who were making politicians
0: scientists and so forth got too pumped up the thing is he didn't make the film after it happened. (laughs) i totally get it after it it went down but
1: there's there's a lineage there with uh you know machine type oppression i guess that's Mm -hmm. why i'm drawing the connection between uh again for my hero john cooper Mm -hmm. powis you know that he says so much Mm -hmm. to the present moment because he was writing books with an open mind uh during the 1940s Mm -hmm. you
3: know
2: so um did you did you enjoy uh life is beautiful
3: me
0: yes i loved
1: it i loved it yeah yeah
0: Yeah. my kids actually love that film too They, (laughs) they watch it every once in a while yeah and that too i mean a lot of of humor in that but it's very also very bittersweet right and the i think reno you told me this before with terry it all comes down to family right yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah whenever i'd send him pictures of the boys he's like oh your quiver is full what a beautiful family (laughs) that's great Yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, family, and uh, um, and I think you know, you know, for me, my my own experience, you know, this is, uh, um, uh, um, right, the
3: the goodness and beauty, art, artistic craft, uh,
2: making, um, happening in a world. Uh, where nobody ever knows that it happens right Mm -hmm. just happens these hidden lives these hidden beauties Mm -hmm. um that's uh there it it really is at the heart it's it it flies in the face of the machine itself yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah which wants to kind of commodify
2: commoditize
1: and the power of beauty don't get me wrong uh oh yeah no. Yeah, you know, we just focus a lot on the underworld and matter here and i just think yeah. some of that anarchistic earthy dirt up humor mm-hmm. is yeah. we need to reclaim more you know i am projecting a lot onto this but you know whatever it is can that gunk up the machine has a lot of my interest you know
3: yeah how about, yeah. How about a
1: few a few softball mm-hmm. questions just for me Reno? You, know, you had mentioned uh krishnamurti and so forth you're on i once knew somebody who was like um was a famous, quite a famous social critic, but you find out like he watched Love Boat with his daughter or something, you know, yeah, on every Saturday.
2: Like, oh, um, Krishna Murthy would?
1: No, no, this is somebody oh, else. You almost blew what my mind. Okay. No, no, no. But Krishna Murthy, Who else were Malik's? Uh, the people he would talk about as being influential. What else did he like? Was there any just some kind of popular culture thing he thought was you know just really had its finger on the pulse?
2: Well, um, I, I should note, I'm going to plug uh, John's book. John Blisdale, the uh, uh, film critic, has a probably the, the most detailed biography uh, on Terry's life and work coming out here shortly. Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of read uh, some galleys and, and and give some notes. So that was uh, uh, that that's coming that's coming out that will have a lot of these things. Um It's not, there's no real like softball question yeah. or, you know, I remember
3: it's almost like
1: making that genius become, you know, relatable. Because, you know, he loves, you know, he loves uh,
2: uh, uh, silly things and he loves, uh, loves humor and, and has a, a you know, a beautiful gregarious uh, uh, laugh. Um, but I know maybe it's just some things that I, I spoke about with him and maybe that's kind of too narrow, Uh, but certainly true. Um, He wanted to make sure that I knew about Plotinus and had read Plotinus Mm -hmm. and this kind of uh, search. Um, One of my uh, late jobs um, after I had done some VFX editing was to kind of, uh, which ended up being the, it didn't end up being, that's maybe overstating it. I don't know, whatever happened to it, but to write a dialogue between uh, the soul and the divine um, in, in the, in kind of, uh, in, in the vein of the Bhagavad Vita. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that, that, that we talked about um, a little bit. I remember, uh, you know, we sent out in the preparation for To the Wonder, he had sent out uh, Rowan Williams' book on Dostoevsky, hmm. um, for, for, for instance. But uh, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's not a place that, the, the the beautiful thing about experiences with Terry and even kind of going. So uh, two years ago, I went to, to I had lunch with him in, in Austin. And we had got again, talking about education and telling him about some of the struggles I was having with classical education. And um, he had wanted to make sure that I had read uh, Nietzsche's uh, essay on Schopenhauer. Uh, my teacher mm-hmm. right um and the and the importance of something like that so 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 here's the thing but but well, also going, yeah. going to his house for christmas like there's you know the the uh uh the the space c.s lewis's space trilogy uh uh on his shelf so the 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 when we talk about genius is this kind of just voracious intake that that no one texts. Um, And no one story really can uh, define, define him. And in the end, it really will be his films and hopefully like his films that, that he will disappear in the space that, that his disappearance creates Mm -hmm. um, to allow such things to happen through those films uh, um, is what lasts. And, and, and there in somewhere in there, I mean, we should talk about like how, again, this kind of, ties back to sociology. Yeah. um it's and the way that sociology itself yeah. right uh not undermines but challenges the ossification of of of, mm-hmm. of liturgy in a modern world right or attempts to to create a space to, to not undermine it but to to free yeah, yeah. right well actually when,
0: yep. when you actually when, when you when you had that lunch with him two years ago, you you messaged me right after that. I said, yeah. I had lunch with the master. I said, with, with the maestro. I said, well, did he did he talk about sociology? I was just joking around. You said, no, but yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right.
0: <laughs> that's great. No, that's right. No, it's funny because when, uh, when the submerged reality came, came out, was that 2015? Well, we're heading toward the 10th anniversary of that book before tonight. Yeah.
1: That'll be the tenth okay. anniversary of our
0: relationship, really. No kidding. But after that, I knew somebody, Kevin Hughes, my buddy who teaches at Villanova. Nova. He knew somebody who knew Malik, and I said, "I got to get a copy. I got to get a copy of my books to this guy because he, he's make, he's he's doing in film what I'm trying to do in in, in philosophical theology. Oh, nice, and, nice. And, but the guy never answered my emails. Got cold shouldered me. You know how academics are. But uh, now, it, here's the here's the ten million dollar question for me, and not that I'm not interested, not that it, it's not all about me. Is Terrence Malick familiar with sophiology?
3: Yeah, that's the uh, the million dollar question.
2: Ding 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 ding
3: ding ding. let well, put it this way. <laughs> I, he is. Yeah.
2: Soph- right. I I have no I. I would be very surprised, for instance, if he hadn't read Brjiaev, or
1: heard of Soloviev. You know, if he was reading those
2: Germans, yeah. So that's, um, but but I think that the the way in. So the reason why I began the story, you know, mentioning the Steiner and the Krishnamurti, um, is that that most certainly. that that his uh, experience of th- that that he is a sui generous American outcropping of sociology via kind of uh, yeah yeah via where does his he, kind he of call ex- home? Mm-hmm. Okay. I I don't know where he calls home. So I wonder again, it's like
1: if his art being sui generis, like of the American land, you know, he certainly has something very, but then does he have a place he calls home because he produced that movie, you know, that documentary on Wendell Berry, and I've used that in class. You know, are you
2: saying, uh, as in, like physically, like yeah, like we're, yeah, we're, oh yeah, Austin. He lives in Austin. It is but, Austin. Uh, yeah, think, yeah, but bit, so I bet you know, know Oklahoma. Oklahoma is dear to him. Bartlesville yeah. um, is is dear to him. Southwest uh, certainly certainly to be generous in so far as like you know like Emerson uh, um, is is yeah. Yeah. is dear to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, through his kind of training with Stanley Cavell or that again, that's a biographical thing that that's silly to try to point down, but certainly kind of was able to kind of develop, uh, um, you know, his, his relationship with American practicism uh, in that way. I guess what I mean, sui generis insofar as that 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 he's exposed to and gets like the the importance of anthroposophy uh um and that that steiner was someone who at one point was dear to him that krishnamurti is someone um at some point was uh, um dear to him and so whatever like if we talk about sophiology uh, and, and please forgive my ignorance and you can kind of correct it but but when i think of it i think of it as kind of this outcropping from from russian orthodoxy right through this kind of maybe silver age uh um uh, thinkers that 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 his inclinations, as Michael uh, uh, has uh, has suspected, are probably uh, um, let's just say autochthonous, mm-hmm. right? That that he gets and speaks sophiology from his experiences through these kind of shared readings and his kind of you know Christian faith and background and upbringing that it blossoms with him the way that it blossomed in in Russia, let's say.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think so, and, and you see that, and that's what I wrote in Summer Reality, and I think in uh, Sophia in Exile as well, is that uh, you see this, you see it in Goethe. You, know, you see that this kind of sophiological intuition arises from people, first of all, through a kind of phenomenological reduction and attention to things as they are, which includes nature and the arts, which allows them to speak to us rather than us telling them uh, us telling nature and and the arts what they mean. They yes. speak to us. And he does that in his film, yeah, I mean, that's, his, that's his film. That's his technique, is letting things speak,
2: yeah. I mean, I've got, you know, a story just to that. So let's just say, like, you know, working on Voyage of Time Tree of Life was like, kind of uh, doing a kind of science with Goethe. Um, we, we had to read Bill Bryson's book on the history of, I think, was it the history of everything? Like yeah. he would get really annoyed if we didn't know the, the, the proper placement of particular plants or animals in their uh, time. Uh, and when working with uh, um, the VFX department, he's like, oh no, no, there's there's grass in that shot. You can't use that shot crust doesn't come around for another you know 100 million years or something like Funny. that right so so an attentiveness to the specificity of science but for the purpose of as you said
0: yes yeah, space. well said all right that, that will probably be a good place for us to wrap it up here but so reno reno yeah, yeah. everything you say is a, an honor and a pleasure for us both and well I'd love to talk to you again sometime
2: Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm glad that uh, uh, I'm glad that you'd enjoyed it. I feel like uh, to, to speak poetically about someone who uh, does poetry doesn't make for great radio or great TV. Oh, but, I think it uh,
0: did. this time. Good. Okay. So yeah, because it's, it's involved in real time. conversation. Yeah. And yeah you're yeah. working in a book now? Yeah, I'm working. Uh, totally.
2: uh, I've, got, I've got a small collection of essays, which is basically a prolegomena uh um, for a larger tolkien uh, um, project so the smaller collection of essays will be coming out soon uh, with darkly bright press it's a small press um out of new mexico but then the larger tolkien's house of being uh right now is with uh readers uh uh, at kent state uh, university press they send me any links and i'll
1: post them for the youtube and the podcast you know
2: absolutely absolutely
1: grateful grateful And thanks, everybody, for listening to me.